All right, if you would, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to preach a message to you tonight. You might ask, why is this bottle sitting up here? Um, preached a message to you tonight called Kata Kajuina. This drink here is not alcohol. I would not bring alcohol. I've had people ask me, I'm like, I would not bring alcohol into a church. Okay, there we go. Kata Kajuina. This is a very unique drink that it, it's juice. That was introduced to me when we first went up to Terezina. Now, I have talked to a couple of people in recent churches that have said that they have actually heard of it, which is very unique because many people, even in Brazil, other parts of Brazil, have never heard of it. And the reason is, is that it is not a mass-produced drink. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. And stand as we read the word of God. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Heavenly Father, as we uh, open your word, I ask, Lord, that you would once again speak through me, that uh, your word would be exemplified, and that you would challenge your people and encourage your people from it. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your working in our life each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have three questions, or four, excuse me, four questions that I want to ask you tonight. The first is, what is casuina? Because when it was introduced to me, I was like, okay, what is this? And my first thought was, as many others have thought, alcohol. Because in Brazil, we have something called cachaça, which is basically a, a homemade moonshine. And so anyone that brings you a bottle that does not have clear markings on it, you got to be aware. Okay, is this something I can actually drink or not? And so when Brother Dickens and I first went up there, we were staying in an um, Airbnb apartment, and the, the gate man, the doorman there, we, we got talking to pretty regularly and all with, we were having to have the car worked on and down at the mechanic shop. So we were around a little bit more than we had expected. But we got to uh, just talking with him, friendly. And uh, he said, hey, I've got something for you to try. And we're like, we both kind of looked at each other. And we're like, oh boy, and that's not always a good thing. And so he comes out carrying two bottles of this. And we, we were like, oh, no. And he immediately comes out. He says, it's, it's not alcohol. He's like, don't worry. It's not alcohol. 
And we said, okay. And so we said, we'll try it. Cajuina is made from the cashew fruit. Now, how many of you know what the cashew fruit is? You know cashews. Everybody loves cashews, unless you're allergic to them. Cashew fruit is actually a fruit. This here, you can see it. And the cashew, the nut, grows on the end of the fruit. So this part here grows on the tree. The fruit grows first. The cashew grows underneath it, the nut part. And it is actually the seed of the fruit. Most people, and myself included, don't realize that there are two parts of the cashew, the fruit and the nut. Until I went to Brazil, I, I never knew that. Some have, have heard of it and, and know about it before then, but I never knew that. And so the cashew itself is very unique. Very unique in that the fruit has a seed that's not inside it. I don't really know any other fruit. Maybe, I guess, strawberries, the seeds are on the outside. But most fruit, the seed is on the inside. The cashew is a very unique fruit. You say, what does this have to do with the passage that we read here in 1 Corinthians? The question that we go out when we witness, when we go out knocking on doors, when we pass out tracts, question we most often ask, do you know Christ as your Savior? That's, that's the most important question that we can ask anybody. You know Christ as your Savior. Because if we're asking about the temperature, if we're asking about directions, we're asking about any number of other things, at the moment they could be important. But the most important question that we can ask a person is, do you know Christ as your Savior? Why? Because that deals with their eternal destination. And the question that we are not necessarily asking by word, but we're asking in that question, is are you a part of the body of Christ? You see, to be a part of the body of Christ, one must know Christ as their Savior. And the body of Christ is made up of only those who know Christ as their Savior, and only those who have the Holy Spirit living within them by accepting Christ as their Savior. We are a unique people. We find that in Scripture. Those of us who know Christ as our Savior, we are a unique people, peculiar people, as is found in Titus chapter 2. We're peculiar. People look at us and they think we're strange, we're weird. When I looked, first looked at a cashew, I thought, that's weird. I never knew that. I thought cashew grows like pecans or you know, almonds or any of those right off the tree. But it has a fruit. I thought that's very unique. That's very peculiar. And that's how we are 
to the world. We're very peculiar. Very peculiar people. You say, well, what does this have to do with the body of Christ? Most people don't understand the body of Christ. Most people think, well, why go to church? I can have church on the riverbank. Ever heard that statement before? I can have church out of my living room. Boy, COVID really helped us with that, didn't it? How many people think, oh, I can just sit and watch church online. I can, I can just turn on Zoom and, and, and have church. I tell you what, we quit Zoom and went to church so we could have church. Church is not just sing four songs, three songs, have a message and everybody go out and have their own time. Church is a body, the body of Christ. That is the church, is the body of Christ. So the question is, what is the body of Christ? It's a group of people, know Christ as their Savior, meeting together. That's the body of Christ. The second question is, who are you? Who are you? In the body of Christ. You say, well, I thought it was only those who know Christ as their Savior. Exactly. Who are you? A child of God or a child of the devil? You see, because if you're a child of the devil, you are out of the body of Christ. There is no in-between. There's no maybe. There's no I'm thinking about it. There is either child of God or child of the devil. Child of God is part of the body of Christ. Child of the devil is not part of the body of Christ. In 1 John 3.10 it says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Look with me in James chapter 3 and verse 10. James chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. You see, there is no way that we can have salt water and fresh water out of the same fountain. It's, it's either going to be drinkable or not drinkable. It's not going to be in between and, well, I might drink it now, I might not drink it then. No, it's one or the other. You're not going to walk up to an apple tree and expect oranges. You're not going to walk up to a fig tree and expect blueberries. Why? It's not going to work. It's impossible. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You're either righteous or unrighteous. There's no in-between. There's no at one time, the other time. It's either this or it's that. There's no in-between of righteousness, unrighteousness or righteousness. 
In Luke eleven twenty three, it says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. We're either with God or we're against God. We can't be with him now, against him then. And then this moment with him, and then the next moment against him. We're either with him 100% or we're against him 100%. We're either a part of the, the body of Christ or we're not a party of, or part of the body of Christ, child of God or child of the devil. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and all through the book of Corinthians, we have to keep in mind that Paul was responding to a letter that he got from them that was dealing with issues in the church. And they were asking him, what do we do about these, these problems in the church? In 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6 and verse 9 through 12, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And look at verse 11 here. And such were some of you. But, he reminds them, that's what some of you were. But, you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He reminds them, those were what you were, those things. You're not those anymore. You, you, have, you have come to Christ and you had to put those things away from you. Those were some of the things that you were. But you're not that anymore. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is what you are. Remember, this is who you are as a child of God. You have no right to act like the child of the devil when you're a child of, the, of God. Can I skip or go to the next one? Okay. Well, uh, John fourteen sixteen and 17 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. You see, Christ gave us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. When we accept Christ as our Savior, the Spirit immediately comes within us and indwells us. And is that, that, uh, that being that, that affects our consciousness. It says, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. That's not who you are. You're not that... Uh, that person anymore, that atomic nature, you, you've done away with that. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. We have that spirit within us, the spirit of God, to help control us to be the child of God as we ought to be. The third question, 
is how do we fit in the body of Christ? We understand who we were. We understand that we are a child of God. We're part of the body of Christ. How do we fit in the body of Christ? Where, where do we belong in the body of Christ? Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 15 through, through, the, through 26. It says, If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? I'll stop there for now. You see here what he's saying is every part of the body has significance and has a reason for existing. If, if we didn't have hands or if we had our feet in place of our hands, imagine what that would be like. It would be very awkward. If we didn't have ears, if we said, you know what, I don't need ears. Let's just get rid of our ears. Well, we'd have a really big problem. We'd, we'd all have to know sign language. I don't know sign language. And, and, and you know, those who have had ear problems and, and can't hear, they will tell you that it makes life difficult. And they learn how to, to deal with it. But if we didn't have ears, we'd have no hearing. The ears are important. The eyes are important. Every part of the body is important. How many of us think about our spleen? How many of us think about, oh, how's my spleen doing today? Is it working right? Is it functioning? I don't ever wake up thinking about that. But you know what? The spleen is an extremely important part of the body. It is that part of our body that wards off infections. And without it, we would be susceptible to every kind of infection possible. Very, very susceptible to it. And to the point that we would have to live in a complete clean room all of our life or have medications constantly to help us take care of those infections. But that's what our spleen does. But we don't even think about it. And yes, we get infections. We have to deal with those at times. But we don't think about the fact that our bodies are healthy because every part works together. Where do you fit in the body of Christ? Just the same as with our physical body and every part being necessary, in the body of Christ, every member is important to its function. You say, well, I'm not important. You are. You're important to God. You're his child. And think if 
you say, you know what, I'm not important. I don't need to be there. What if five others think that? What if ten others think that? And then you have no one. No one shows up. Every person is important to the body. No one is more important than the other. In verse 19 or 18, there it says, God has set every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. We're here to please God. Not Pastor Creel, not Joel Smothers, not anyone except God. And God's put you here for his pleasure. We're not all one person. In verse 19, we're, if they were all one member, where were the body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. We all work together because God's put us together as the body of Christ. In verses 21 through uh, 23, I won't read all, th- all through them, but the context there is that the, the eye and the ear, they can't say, I have no need of you, get rid of you. We, we can't say, oh, that person's not important. You know, why, why should they come anymore? No, no, absolutely not. You see, what happens is we start getting a, a puffed up attitude of, I'm the important one. You're not more important than anyone else. I'm not important than Pastor, than Brother John, than Junior. I'm not more important than any other person. God's put me where I'm at because it pleased Him. And it's my responsibility to do what he has placed me here for to please him, not anyone else. And not to bring glory to myself, but to bring glory to him. As is each one of our responsibilities as a part of the body. In verse 27 it says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? You see, each one had a specific place and a specific purpose in the body. He says there in verse 31, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And he would continue through the next uh, two chapters, ending in verse 40 about, let all things be done decently and in order. God is not the God of confusion, but the God of order. And he's ordered the body to be according how he has placed it to his pleasure. So how do we fit in the body of Christ? And the fourth question is, what, of our, what is our individual role in the body of Christ? We each have a place and we each have a role to do in the body of Christ. You say, well, I don't know what it is. I can challenge you to, to find that role. And it may not even be anything spectacular. But whatever God gives you, do it to the best of your ability. 
Look back at 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and verses uh, 19 and 20. He says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is our primary role, is to glorify God with our whole body, with everything that we have is to glorify God. That is our primary role, and bring glory to Him. You say, well, how do I do that? Obedience. Simple, yet hard. Just simple, obey. Do what He says in His Word. Do what He directs you to do, whatever it may be. Whether the job seems minuscule or major, just do it. Just obey. It's that simple. Why? Because we belong to Him. He's bought us. It's not by our merit, but by His work that we are His. Look in Galatians chapter 5. You say, I'm, I'm a little confused. What does this have to do with this drink? Well, it's interesting. After I first was introduced to this, and I first you know, was like, oh, okay, it's, it's really neat. But then I started doing a little bit of research on it. I started doing a little bit of figuring out, well, how do they get this? Because my first understanding was that it was is produced not just from the fruit but they add water and different things to it but as i started researching it i found that it is there's no additives whatsoever to it this is a hundred percent juice and as long as anything says casuina it can't be anything except for a hundred percent juice and as i began researching it I found that the way they make it is from the fruit. But what's unique is that this fruit is not good. You say, what? This fruit is very thick and pasty when you cut it open. It's almost like taking toothpaste, cutting it open, and licking it. You say, that's awful. And it has a very strange taste to it. I don't know very many people that can take the fruit and just eat it. Because it's not all that good. And so I thought, well, how in the world did they get this juice that is good? I like it. I've, I've met some people who don't. But most people I know that have tried it like it. How do they get that from this? They take the fruit they take it off the tree they take the nut off and they take all the fruit put it into a great big um, bin that has a, a corkscrew on it and they grind it all up they grind it and grind it and grind it until it's all just fine little bits 
And then they take all that chunk, all that pulp, and they screen it down through um, like, like cheesecloth or something like that. That strains it out. And then it's complete liquid. And I thought, how unique. Because you see, we're just like this fruit. In and of ourselves, we're not good. In and of ourselves, we're like this fruit, undesirable. But when we let God take hold of us and work in us, and we let His Spirit indwell us and work in us and slowly push out all of that excess, all of that atomic nature, all of that that us is just not pleasant. You know what happens? We get filled with the Holy Spirit until we become pure. And what's neat about this juice is that when it's first strained out, it's completely clear. has no color to it whatsoever. And then they bottle it up and they put it into a uh, big bath, basically, that they heat up. And as it heats up, the sugar content out of the fruit that's in the juice depending on how long they cook it and how much sugar content it has, it changes color. And so you'll see a couple back there, and if we can get the last, last slide up there. There we go. This is 13 out of 14 that I've tried. Different brands. And the different brands come from a different orchard because the, the, the process has to be done immediately upon picking the fruit. You see, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit immediately goes, comes inside us and indwells us and immediately starts working to clean out all that garbage, to clean out all that filthiness that is us until we come out pure. And each one of these is a little bit different because each one of them has come from a different orchard, has a little bit different sugar content, a little bit different amount of cooking time. Every one of them is different. But you know what? Every one of them is casuina. And as I continued researching this, I thought, how unique. I've been to, I think, over 200-some churches from deputation till now. And you know what? Just like this church here, every one that I've been in, I feel at home. You know why? We have the same spirit. We have the same spirit indwelling us. We're all different. We're all unique. We're all a little bit quirky in our own way. But we all have the same spirit. And we all fellowship together because of that spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the spirit 
is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The Spirit that lives within us identifies us one with another. You see, every Kajuina, even in the same brand, has its own flavor because of the time that it was produced, the, the crop that it was picked from has its own flavor. But every one of them represents the brand, the, the drink. Every one of us represent Christ. We can do it in our own little way. We have our own little quirks. We're each our own person. We're a member or part of the body. But each one of us represent Christ. And that spirit that lives within us must shine. That spirit is what others must see. Not ourselves. Not the fruit. Not that part of us that is undesirable. But must see the spirit that lives within us. The questions are, who are you? If you, if you know you're a child of God... Or a child of the devil. Who are you? If you know you're a child of God, what are you? An active part? Or on the shelf? One of the other things that I found about this is that they say it has a two-year shelf life. I don't know whether that's been proven as far as whether it's still good after two years, exactly what. But it says it has a two-year shelf life. How long of a shelf life do we have? You see, our place is not on the shelf. Our place is not just to sit back and enjoy life. Our place is to be out and active so that people see Christ, so that people know of Christ. We're to be actively portraying Christ and telling others about Christ not sitting on the shelf. I would say that we have no business being on the shelf for even two seconds. Why? 1 Corinthians six nineteen. We're not our own. We're Christ's. We belong to him. He's purchased us. And for that, we have the responsibility to glorify him in our body, to represent him, to be portraying the fruit of the Spirit. We must live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And the last question, where are you? Are you consistent in being a part of the body? Are you spiritually where God wants you to be? You see, we do have the atomic nature that we have to battle each and every day. Every day, it's there. We have to let the Spirit war against it. Let the Spirit have control so that that atomic nature doesn't get the best of us and take over. 
Who are you? What are you? And where are you? Are you representing Christ as a part of the body, as an effective member of the body? Do others see Christ through you when they see you at work or they see you in the neighborhood? Do they see Christ? They ought to. But are they? What kind of member are you in the body of Christ? Pastor. Now, if I understood this message properly, as we come to the close of this service and to the invitation, then what I think is before us tonight is a choice. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, where, where he was using our text, in verse 18 it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. I've often told others, pastors and you know, other folks, that you know, God builds the local church. I found it interesting through the years of ministry as we invite people to church and new families move in and out of the community, uh, we witness, we share our faith, we win people to Christ, we, we see some people come to know the Lord, uh, but not necessarily come to our church. Sometimes all of that, you know, that can be disappointing, can be confusing. What's happening? Well, I've come to understand that this is what's happening. In verse 18, God determines who he places in the church. So when we're talking about Beckwith Baptist Church, and when we're thinking about, we're praying for our church to grow, and we're witnessing to others, we have to remember that all of that's in God's hands. We're not always going to understand why some people stay and others do not. I want to challenge you tonight to, to trust the process. Trust our Lord. He builds the church, not us. Now, right behind that thought, I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you're here. So I want to ask you, if you're here, it's got to be because God put you here. Because this is where he wants you to be. And if this is where God wants you to be, then your, your, your choice now is to, is to surrender to that, submit yourself, and get busy doing whatever it is he wants you to do. And our brother shared all of these different scenarios, different, different members and their different functions and, and all of those things. And, and you know, that's, that's how a church functions. Each one of us, it's important that we do what God wants us to do. There's a lot of things that take place so that we can have church like this, from vacuuming the carpet all the way to singing a special. And sometimes we think, oh, the important jobs, you know, singing the special. The important jobs, you know, the, the sound guys putting the pictures up here. The important jobs, you know, preaching the sermon. Well, wait a minute. We were reminded tonight that all, all of those jobs are important. What about vacuuming the carpet? How, do you, how important do you think that job would be if it never got done? Well, eventually, it might determine whether or not people come in here. You ever think about that? All of a sudden, vacuuming becomes a pretty important job, doesn't it? It's just kind of like, 
It's kind of like the pianist when they're not here. <laughs> oh, no, all of a sudden, any job that gets left vacant, all of a sudden we start realizing how important that job really is. But I want to ask you tonight, are you doing your job? And I'm not trying to re-preach the message. I'm trying to give the invitation. Because we, we've come now to a conclusion tonight, and our choice is this. Are we going to just be us? and do, Are we going to do our will? And I think tonight that's what this fruit represents. This fruit represents us doing our thing the way we want to do it. But if we allow the Spirit of God to produce His fruit in us, well, that sounds more like this right here. The refining process of growing in, in the Lord, of surrendering to the Holy Spirit and doing His will, when we do God's will, that fruit of the Spirit is produced. And how much better is that than what we would be without Him? tonight. So tonight, as we, as we enter into this invitation, I just want to submit that choice to you tonight. Do you want to do your will, or are you going to do God's will? If God's placed you here in this body, are you going to do what He has given you to do, and allow Him to work through you to produce that fruit that He wants to produce, that flavor that He can give, and the things that He can do with your life? that we can't do without him. Hey, that's our choice tonight. What's it going to be? I give it to you. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, for your design, for the local church. Lord, doctrinally, we understand the local church as, as the Bible teaches it and as you've given it to us. But Lord, practically tonight, we've been helped to understand Lord, how you assemble believers together in a place to serve, to, to ultimately produce your will in that location. And Lord, you're not just doing that here in DeRitter, Louisiana, but you're also at work doing that in Brazil through our brother and his family and, and the work they're doing to reach people there and assemble them for Bible studies and, and begin to put together what is starting to look like a church, a church family. Lord, we know that you're going to guide him just as you want to guide us. We pray for his church there, and we just ask, Lord, that you'll bring those believers together, help them to win others, and that that nucleus might grow, Lord, so that a church can be born, and that you can have a local congregation there, an assembly that might come together for worship and service and outreach and all the things that a church is supposed to do. And Lord, just as those people have to make a choice to surrender to your will and be a part of that, Lord, so do we. And we just ask you to speak to us tonight. Show us your will. Show us our part in your plan. And help us find our place. In Jesus' name we ask.